Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Let's do a live on a Tuesday edition of the Tuesday. program. Tuesday. I've taken to that. I really have. It's I, fun. I really enjoy a Tuesday I edition. Kingsley would like to incorporate that into his his vocab as well. Yeah, Kingsley probably would like it. He's having a good run. Good run of play of late. Uh, just great. across all fronts. Uh, really thriving. Had an artwork selection that is going to go at some sort of thing at the high school. So uh-huh. that's exciting. Uh, part of the God Squad on the lacrosse team. So he's yeah. really... He's really chesty and, th- and th- I mean, did not have a good morning with Bootsy this morning at all. Um, you didn't or he didn't? Well, or no one both. Did. Uh, he came down in navy and white horizontal striped uh, leggings. Love it. Aqua, Puma, Aqua and black Puma shorts and a red and black Jordan t-shirt. Hold on a second. Leggings underneath, yeah, like, like the Nike like tights. Like tights, yeah, they wear them like for sports. Yeah, you know? sure, yeah, 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 of yeah. Those. So you that but there, you have. He has some horizontal striped ones. Yeah, Under Armour has their Under Armour, and they're like they're na- mostly navy with like white pinstripes. Okay, across. Okay, like horizontal. Okay, so he wore that with like an, a light blue short, Puma short with a black stripe. So none of that goes. And then he had a black and red Jordan T-shirt on. And I go, I said, I go, what are we doing here, pal? I go, this isn't going to work immediately. Oh, God, why does this always happen to me? It's in, though. Mixing colors is in right now. No, not. I said, we have we have rules. I said, we, we're not having this. We're, it it, is. we're not going to we're not going to have this. We got to go sort it out. So we went upstairs and then it was a catat, just a meltdown, total meltdown as I put him in some joggers and a T-shirt. But so I said, he, well, you can't go to school like that, dude. You look he was unhappy. Oh, Amy told me that. Even going into school, he was, uh, he was still pissed off about yeah. it. crocodile tears. So that was that was the morning to me. Uh, the other part of the morning for me this morning was uh, Black Cobra, the ten year old. Like they're just he's at this age where he's testing me on everything, and he goes, he goes, here, can you can you solve a Rubik's cube in a minute and a half? No. And I said, no, I can't. And he goes, well, there's a there's a ten year old in my class who can do it in, in a minute. Great. Does that mean he's smarter than you? No. No, it doesn't. Mm-mm. But I'm proud of you. Your kids him. doing that, sticking to, to trying to stick it to you. So my kids have entered the phase at fourteen and twelve, where like one of their favorite things to do. I feel like I'm pretty easygoing guy, pretty easy. You are father. the most glasses half full, gulp but at life. They just love to mock me now. Like every they come like, at you. Oh my god! All and they think it is hilarious. And of course, I will sell it if like if they get me a good yeah. one. Like I'll be wounded and yeah. I'll give them exactly what they're looking for. But yeah, they really enjoy just like, unprovoked. Yeah, unprovoked mocking. And I'm out here trying to be nice. Yeah, and trying to just you know shower them with love and affection. You sure. know, I know you know growing up on the ranch, there wasn't time Not for lot. like dad to be like hey i just want you to know like i'm so proud of you how much i sure. love you like yeah. you didn't hear those things we got no. brown spotted's birthing other new brown the next generation and you got to <laughs> tend to that and you know so like yeah there wasn't a lot of that so i as kind of a reaction to that i probably yeah over tell them how much i love them how proud of them i am and all of that and like they're just like yeah but we just want to make fun of you basically is where we're at well thank you i yeah thanks thanks guys 
<laughs> like, what's the deal? What like, come do? on, man. Let's just get along. What did I do? Can't yeah. we all just be friends? Yeah, right. Good grief. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's where you're at. It's hard. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I think that you said something yesterday that was so spot on and prescient that you're like, I just want to keep Bootsy like right here forever. Yeah. And I wanted him to be in this package. Like he entered this age. I think he entered this fun time at like probably three and a half yep. into four. And then I just want it to be there. I, I'd like it. I feel like we're coming to the end of it of like his pure joy. He's always going to have a zest for life. Like that's part no of doubt. his spirit. But in terms of like, Everything he says, just being silly and funny and all of that. Yeah. I feel like we're nearing the beginning of the end of it. Yeah. And then just wait. Like, you're going to go from being the coolest dude in the world and, oh, dad, you're the hero to like, eh, I'd rather make fun of you. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's what's, I felt like that was happening with this Rubik's Cube conversation this morning. Just be like, how many other dads know about last drops and bots and dog water? That's right. Yeah. Relax. You're safe. It's not. <laughs> That continues to be hilarious, by the way. I love that. Because he wants to know why, where I got it, how I came to the information. And then he kind of pushes back and he's like, well, you don't really know that. Like, I know you don't really know what that is. So then it was like, fine, play me. Play me. Let's go. And the thing, like, he wanted me to, like, play him in in the What, one-on-one and creative? I have. (laughs) That just has to be like, what do you want to do? One-on-one and creative? We go one-on-one in the the creative? One-on-one in the Yeah, say what, do you want to do some zone wars? Fine. We'll do it. We got one one creative. Maybe we'll do maybe we'll do zone wars. See, do you I, think see, I can like beat it. him in those things? No, <laughs> no. I think you'll get. I think you'll be dead before you even know what is happening. He beat me like uh, he was. I did a. It's you. I don't think I told you this. It was right before spring break. Um, he was begging me to play two K, and Oops. I had, yeah. And I I said fine. And I would smoke him in. Fine, fine. I'll play you. Fine. And I'm thinking to myself, normally my trick to this is, um, you know, the direct passing is my trick yeah, on all of this. Very Pretty important. critical. And they don't do that much or they hadn't previously. So what I, I don't have the touch on the three right. And I, I did pull a Zago. Like it was into the third quarter and I, there, I knew there was no way that I could catch up. He was up like a dozen and he was hitting threes. And I, I picked a team. I can't remember who I picked. I want to say I picked Phoenix and I could not get Devin, Devin Booker right. Okay. I couldn't get the it's stroke. Certain people's releases are different. You got to find somebody whose release works for the, your button style. And he clearly had a team that he had played with a sure, lot, and sure. so he had it down. I knew. I I said, "Well, I got to go. Got to go make dinner. I'm out. I'll see you later." He was so fired up about it, but oh, I, I did bet. use the lessons of Zago. Yeah, it's good. Listen, yeah, it's a lesson. great lesson. Just keeping walk. his memory alive, Zago. Yeah, you got to. Somebody just walk off. Eh, too dark. Eh. Too close to dinner. Sorry about that. Nothing to see. When here, I kids. come over, when I come over, yeah, we'll get we'll 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 serve them a big slice of humble pie on the sticks. It'll be great. Oh, I think so. And I think yeah. you bring Bryce, and then we do the a Bryce the Fortnite. Would, yeah, but I don't. He's not cocky about Fortnite. Like he's got buddies who are like that's their that's world. what they do. And yeah. like it's last night they were yelling at each other like crazy. Oh yeah, it can it can break down. Yeah, I've, they were I've really been, I've seen some breakdowns. I was like, and I what think, are you guys doing? Like your buddies, you lunatics. By the way, some of the th- reason I think that they sometimes, you know, are talking crazy to me is cuz I think that's how like they these kids talk to each other now. And I think I, you're right. And I don't know going back, like I can't remember when I started really like smack talking with my friends and I would have to imagine being me. But felt later than this, though. It was way later. You weren't doing it at this age. No, no, no. It like, was. I just feel like eighth we weren't grade, even aware. Seventh grade, eighth grade. Yeah, maybe. you're not even aware of like guys running their mouth 
I mean, the only point of reference you would have had on that is like athletes sports yeah, but there weren't sports. a lot of guys that i mean bird was pretty discreet yeah with it you know it charles was, barkley yeah but that would have been we would have been middle school high school yeah. at the time that that's going yeah, that's on. when i remember yeah 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 much 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 later um the draft is thursday what is your uh what is your favorite draft memory with the browns either or as a kid you may have one of each is there one that jumps out I just remember, like from being a kid, what I loved was when I when they'd show the shot of the guy sitting in front of their with their helmets, mm-hmm. like in the who are making the actual picks, like that was always super cool to me. And I remember seeing that and loving it and writing down, you know, all I'd always write down the 49ers whole draft and everything like that. Um, from a Browns memory standpoint, and actually I was asked this last night, or was that last night? When was it? Or is this on the BPA? I did so much You've for done you a yesterday. Thousand shows. Just, you did do a lot. You did a lot. Was this on the BPA that you asked about the best draft memory? Uh, It was BPA. Yeah, it was BPA. Oh, so Uh, no one will ever hear it. Go ahead. (laughs) Don't say that. I'm on it. (laughs) Clooney ratings. Coming in to take you out. By the way. It'll be a Fortnite real life battle. By the (laughs) way, though, Gibby, speaking of the BPA, before I tell the story really quickly, did you see that there was some guy was after you last night? Yeah, Craig Herbert. He said, whoa, why did CBD disappear from Google Podcasts? I smell sabotage. It was removed from my subs, and BPA is the first result when I searched for it. Gibbs, I'm on to you, buddy. Your defense. Well, here's my answer to that. Number one, I don't have iTunes. I don't have Spotify. The only way I listen to the podcast are through Google Play. So I doubt that I'm sabotaging myself. (laughs) I'm just going to throw that out there. So you're saying you like to live the show, actually do it, and then then go listen to then it? Then listen to yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. That's how I know that how many was... times you screw up in two hours. What, what was what Zero. was the uh, – what? that's an Austin Powers sub- of myself. What is <laughs> what is that? Isn't that an Austin Powers? Please allow myself Self to, to introduce, introduce myself. myself. Yes. yes. <laughs> no, I go back. I air check a lot of those shows. Yeah. Love. That's why you're the big P. Yeah. That's why the big P. So, I had... Mac, you said favorite draft. Memory. Go ahead. Yep. So this one didn't turn out in, in matter of fact, it didn't work out at all. It, it yeah. was, but at the time I was in radio city musical, the draft was still there. It was my first year going to the draft with the Browns. Oh God. I somehow, and there's a video Jeff McDaniel put together and I don't even know how I did this, but I said, I think the Browns are going to move down. And, and they're going to be looking at a cornerback. And then I said, I could see them trading back up later in the first round and going after a quarterback. And that's literally exactly what happened. And this was pre-scores. Yeah, no scores. Like, <laughs> scoreless. Yeah, I was scoreless Joe Jackson there. So that ended up happening. But being in Radio City Music Hall, the Browns trade back up to 22. And you start to there, there was like a, an electricity because – People thought it was going to be Johnny when it was, in fact, Johnny Manziel. People went bonkers. And I remember being in the streets of New York City after that, walking around and people associated with the Browns as part of the organization and then fans like leaning outside of their cars, leaning out of taxis that are driving, screaming like as if it was the greatest thing that had ever happened. And in that moment, yeah, like I've never had more fun at draft. I was there. I was in the building in Radio City Music Hall, which was really cool because they don't do that anymore. Yep. And it was just electric. Now, <laughs> it didn't work out. That was actually the peak of the entire era. I was just going to say, is that – I think you make a decent argument that that is the biggest – both the highest low and or the highest high 
and the lowest low in recent draft memory in terms of the because that was an event. Yes. The entire draft was about John football. Yes. College football had been about John football since the year before when he won the Heisman. He didn't win it the year he was drafted. He won it as a redshirt freshman. Redshirt sophomore year, there's the crazy piece, the Wright Thompson piece in ESPN, the magazine, about you know his behavior. He was suspended games. Yes. All of those things had happened. Um, and then it was the pro day was a circus. He did it with the oh, helmet and all of that. Um, and it was like, can he play? Can he not? What's it? You know, all of these things. And then it's the Browns of all teams coming to get him. The juice behind that. That's all anyone was talking about. You oh could God. not have won the night bigger no. than that. No. And then two years later, gone. Two years. Both of them gone. Yes. You had two. In, a, in one of the most historically loaded drafts in the history of the NFL, 2014, both of your guys don't make it in the league. They don't play out their rookie context in the NFL. But on that night, the energy and the electricity that came out of that building and then was all over Manhattan. And I remember I me mean, of Goosebumps now coming back here and getting to interview him. Like, were you, you were here, I would imagine, with, with I, was, I was in the hallway outside. Like, it was nuts. And it was all pure joy. Like, there weren't. Maybe actually, I think your your guy, Mr. Grossi, had some reservations at the time. No, but, I, I can tell you that media room did not want that circus coming to town. That's ridiculous. I mean, no, 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 no. Well, their happened. glass is half empty. Well, to begin hold on, you there, there's excitement, but there's also we we we've been told a lot of things about this guy, and I don't. Oh my God! I Why are know. you wet blanketing right now? At the time, like I'm not wrong. <laughs> I'm not misremembering this. It I'm was like wrong. completely. People were oh, from a fan side, of bonkers. Things? Oh yeah, it was. There was more energy and like they could have walked into that draft room. Like I remember him holding up the jersey, him and Gilbert. Like they could have walked in. Like he did Vince the money McMahon. signs coming <laughs> yeah. out on stage. I mean, it was. It, I remember that, It was yeah. electric. It was so WWE in retrospect. Like. And then, but in WWE, because they scripted it, would work out like this would all come to fruition, sure. and he would become the yeah. big star, and then turn heel. Well, and in this case, he just turned heel, and it never worked out, unfortunately. And something similar on my end, same type of deal in 2007 when the Browns came back up to get Brady Quinn. I was, I was doing radio for K and R at that draft. I did. Yeah. I did that we draft. Were, we were. I was at know, a bar. It was, it was a two-day event. And yeah. we were always at Harpo's, yeah. the old sports bar. People Where's that, would, in like Broadview Heights bring, area? What's that? Where is that, in like Broadview Heights area? Uh, 130th and Snow? Brook Park. Brook Park area? Okay. Brook Park. I was there. We had this bar. It was a tradition. We would be there every day, every year for yep. the draft day one. And the draft started at noon. It was always the first three rounds of the draft. And – People would bring lawn chairs and set up at 6 in the morning to get a spot because we'd open the doors at 8, and it was, I mean, it was a booze fest. Oh, yeah, man, people were doing bonkers in there. 10 deep at the bar. It was crazy. So the Browns take Joe Thomas, and, you know, the, the room was a little, I don't want to say it was divided because people were like, we need a quarterback. <laughs> Brady Quinn's on the board, but, but we need Joe Thomas, and we need – Everybody knew Joe Thomas was going to be a guy. So, uh -huh. we're, that's right. We had the owner of this bar 
would not comp our food. We were there all day doing basically a 12-hour <laughs> really? show. This guy would not comp our food. So the one year I just said, screw you. I'm not going to spend a dime. I parked our van, which was like an old – it was like a Flintstone van. I thought the bottom was going to fall out numerous times driving it. We set up. We got a bunch. I got a bunch of trade. I was the head promotion director. We did an all-you-can-eat pizza pasta bar inside the van. We set it up like we didn't spend a penny. We bought all these drinks. I'm like, this guy is not going to make one penny off of us. Why didn't you just pick another bar? It was it was a it was a beer driven promotion. Oh, so in terms of where we went, where you had to go, and so they correct had, they had which wait. By the way, it was still the best place to do the show. Sure, because of how much room there was. There were two levels. Everybody, there was a balcony overlooking. I'm in the. Va- I finally got a chance to go grab a bite to eat, and I'm in the van, and I'm listening to the show, and I'm listening to Reggae. And I can't remember who else. Might have been Greg Brenda was on at that time. Rhoda, I think, was there too. And the helmet switched, and they were like, "The helmet switch! The helmet switch!" And I stand. I up was on. I, I almost knocked myself unconscious to get back out of the van because I've got to go back inside. Because Flacco went like eighteen or something like that. That was the same draft. Flacco went out of Delaware. Delaware. Yep. Went to the Ravens. It, yeah. And people were it, going nuts. It. Uh, it became like people because it starts to thin out after you have the Browns make their pick a- any party you're at within an hour, hour and a half after that, the, the team makes the pick, people start to leave. People were racing into the parking lot at like 90 miles an hour. Before I knew it, the whole bar was 10 full again. And the it was a full on beer blast till like two in the morning, celebrating the fact you had gotten your left tackle and your quarterback. Yeah, one out of the two were. Well, that, that hit home. I was in Columbus at the time, and obviously he's a Dublin kid. And so there was, you know, there was great attention paid to to Brady and, and where that was all going to go. Um, man, those are that's circus, man. That's absolute circus. That draft, you want to talk about loaded drafts? That draft, the 07 draft, Jamarcus Russell goes one. And despite any conversation about – uh, Ryan Leaf being the biggest draft at Boston NFL hit. Oh, no, man. it's yes, Jamarcus Russell. Draft. It goes Calvin Johnson at two, Joe Thomas the Hoff at three, yeah. Adrian Peterson's in this draft at seven. seven. My goodness, Patrick Willis at 11, Marshawn Lynch at 12, Revis at 14. Yeah. Holy cow, this thing's absolutely bonkers with talent. And it continues. I mean, there's there's great guys I mean, all the way throughout. You even had, and like, LaRon Landry was a pro bowler. Uh, Lawrence Timmons was a pro bowler. Michael yeah. Griffin was a pro bowler. Reggie Nelson was a pro bowler. The safety, Dwayne Bowe, Brandon Merriweather, John Beeson, Anthony Spencer, Joe Staley, Ben Grubbs. Greg Olson goes at the end of the first one. So this wasn't the Flacco draft. He was, what, the next year? Was he? He was right around here. It had to be right around here. Because I did this for a few years earlier. for K&R, and I was at the Flacco one as well. But I was definitely at this one. Eric Weddle is in this. Puzlesny. Lamar Woodley. 07's an all-timer. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a good draft. Marshall Yanda in the third round. Look at all the guys who made uh, Pro Bowls. Quite a few of them. Nick Folk, sixth round. Dallas Cowboys still kicking to this day. Yeah, it's a, that's a, that was that's a good the beauty one. of the draft, though, man, is they, there is that. Flacco's the next year. So the next, next year, year Matt right. Ryan goes third. Yep. Um, it goes Jake Long, Chris Long, Matt Ryan, Darren McFadden, Glenn Dorsey. 
is one through five in the next year's draft. All right, so remember when I was mentioning the, okay, you want to talk about a draft? 14, <clears throat> 2014. Pick number one, Jadevian Clowney, pro bowler, multiple time. Two, Greg Robinson didn't work out well. Three, Blake Bortles. Four, Sammy Watkins. That was in the trade down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then everybody from pick five to pick 17 have all been pro bowlers except Justin Gilbert. Khalil Mack, Jake Matthews, Mike Evans, Anthony Barr, Eric Ebron, Taylor Luan, Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, Aaron Donald went 13th in this draft. <laughs> Kyle Fuller, Ryan Shazier, who was, on, I think, on his way to he was potentially on the, yeah. a, a gold jacket type of a career. He was, yeah. Zach Martin, C.J. Mosley. Then Brandon Cooks never, has never gone to a Pro Bowl, which is astounding to me, but has had a great, great career. Ha-ha Clinton Dix, Pro Bowler. D. Ford, Pro Bowler. Jason Verrett, Pro Bowler. Teddy Bridgewater's been a Pro Bowler. Demarcus Lawrence goes second pick of the second round. Third pick of the second round is Batonio. Fourth pick of the second round is Derek Carr. I mean, it's just an unbelievable. And then, you know, also in that second round, pick 53, Devontae Adams. Pick 61, Allen Robinson. Pick 63, Jarvis Landry. Pick 62, by the way, James Garoppolo. He also had a girl was on that Allen Robinson bandwagon. Oh, God, I wanted him bad. He's still on the Allen Robinson bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating how I think I think that's it though. If you go back to the premise of Manzel, the highest high to the lowest low. Um, I mean, it's it's an eight it's eight starts. It's crazy though. So just from picks five to twenty two, the Browns would have two picks in here. From five to twenty two, there are only five guys who never appeared in a Pro Bowl. Okay, only five: Gilbert, Calvin Pryor, who spent some time with the Browns but was out of the league, ended up being a big bust. Jawan James has been a solid tackle in the league for the entirety of this time. And then Brandon Cooks, all he does is have 1,000-yard seasons all the time. So, like, you would have been – if you drafted Brandon Cooks out of Oregon State, you'd ended up being very happy with what you got out of him. And yet, they didn't even make it out of their rookie contracts. Unbelievable. In the league, like, as in staying in the National Football League. The John one, I mean, I mean the, the Gilbert one, I don't recall. I don't recall what was the excitement oh. of him or – what what I don't remember that part of it. That'll be in the in the winning time. I'll tell you, <laughs> that will be yeah, that will be the um, the John Manziel thirty for thirty like ten years from now is going to be a, a must see event. It'll it, he needs to be a lot older. Do you think be, they'll do one? Yeah, because they did one for Boz. They did one for a lot of these guys that that had that. You know, yeah, it's because it's got everything that you want. I mean, it's got every bit of drama. It's everything that I wanted. No, no, no. I understand, but from a in terms of viewing sure. it standpoint, sure. it's got every twist and turn that you'd want. I mean, sure. it, it goes back to, Bo, what you said yesterday about Baker. Like, at Oklahoma, he was a transformative player. Johnny Manziel yeah. put Texas A&M football back on the map. No. No, there's no question. Like, he put it on the he map. Was a they, don't even, he, it, they don't even have the Oklahoma history that, that Baker had at Oklahoma. Like, A&M doesn't have that. They don't have national championships. All right, I'm going to say something, and you may you may have facts that tell me that I'm an idiot. Okay, I'm ready. However, oh, there it is. The swag is back. Look at it—the fine Italian leather. Of course, unbelievable. <laughs> he's he's got he's kick, he's got knee kicks. And very actually, and yet so there it is. There it is. And yet very believable. <laughs> very yes. So here's my 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 right, bold go statement. Go ahead. And I don't think believe it's that bold because this is coming through my lens. Sure. I don't think college football, at least in my lifetime, was ever bigger or more mainstream 
than it was at the peak of Johnny football. It was everywhere. And I'm, again, I know that people love college football. It continues probably, maybe ratings are getting bigger, but I'm talking about as a phenomenon that everybody knew, whether you were a college football fan or not, John football, I feel like, was the peak. Tebow would be the other peak. To me, those are the two guys that, like, I couldn't, even if though I wasn't a huge college football guy per se, like, they were everywhere. Your thoughts? You're much more of an expert on this. I don't think it was the peak. I think that I think that it was a perfect storm of it was kind of a building of social media, the expansion of the Southeastern Conference. Johnny Football got more out of beating Bama. Yes, like than that was anybody got out of anything. Like he yes. beat Bama as a redshirt freshman. He did not beat him as a red as a sophomore in his second year. He beat him as a redshirt freshman. Nobody had beaten Bama in a while. Um and, and Texas A&M had just come into the SEC, so that was a critical part of it. Um, I don't think it's it's not peak college football. I think peak college football would probably have been uh, – there's a lot of errors that would have been peak college football from a popularity standpoint. But certainly in the early 2000s, um, you know, Vince Young against Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart when they're dating Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian, that's way up there. The yeah. Miami teams in the early 2000s would have been way up there. Those were – big time and known um, from a rating standpoint, it probably got bigger later. Right, he was a was phenomenon. Just, There's yes. no question. He was a phenomenon, but he wasn't bigger than Peyton Manning was at Tennessee. Um, he wouldn't have been really no. Oh no, 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 no. no I feel no. like from a pop culture, like, but again, it's the social media part of it. Like that's fair. The others didn't Peyton have was that. Good and was just like a normal guy. This was like, this was John football. I mean, it he was, was the, it was the social media aspect that, that allowed for, he had an that. ex-president at his pro day that he did in a helmet and camo that they no, he then was, sold he was a, sold out of. I will tell you this. He was the peak college football celebrity. That's what I mean. Yes. I will okay, say fine. that. That's what that I'm saying. That he was the peak college football celebrity, probably even usurping Bush and Leinart when they were, you know, at that. Was Tebow not as big as I am? He was a, a, a very culture. He was an incredible cultural phenomenon in the South. Gotcha. And really very John well known. Just, but John football was. And what was crazy about him is that. Cultural. He, he didn't yeah. have Johnny did not have the um, most people in college football. It's not like you viewed Johnny as like a sure thing. I mean, in, way, in a way, he was kind of like a a modern incarnation of like if you think of like what Archie Manning was like at Ole Miss, like a schoolboy sensation or totally. Billy, Billy Cannon at LSU, where it was like I, you weren't worried about if they were going to be pros or not. It was just. This guy has captured a, a, a city and a college and a campus. That was the time when I was, base. when I was watching a lot of tape that this 14 draft, and, and I had very well-formulated opinions. And I said, I have no idea. I remember my conclusion on John Menzel. You can see things that make things great. I have no idea. I have no idea of the maturity of the guy. Like, there's stuff yeah. that I wouldn't have access to just from watching him play tape. He doesn't play quarterback the way that you know you would traditionally see people be successful in the NFL but maybe it's a new era of kind of backyard football but my biggest takeaway when I watched hours and hours and hours and every throw that he ever made was who the hell is Mike Evans I want that guy because <laughs> yes. it felt like a lot of it people was, forget that Mike I'm, was on that team I'm gonna run around yeah and then I'm gonna throw it up and oh my by the way I'm throwing it to Mike Evans playing against people in college and people also forget Jake Matthews was on that line they had a very good offensive Matthews line. Matthews goes sixth. Evans goes seventh. I want to say that Rick Seals-Jones came Rick Seals in there Jones. somewhere around that port, either right Loved after or, a big, or right before. Big Rick Seals guy. Yeah, he was in the mix. Um, no, he was a he was a phenomenon. There's no there's no doubt. But it 
you know, I don't remember all the quarterbacks in that draft in 2014. Like, who were the other guys that were in Teddy, the mix? Teddy, John Football, um, Carr, Derek Carr, Garoppolo, Blake so the, Bortles. Okay. Bortles goes third. So his, here was the other thing to remember, and I think I have the, the numbers on this right. The next year, Johnny's sophomore year, Winston wins the Heisman at Florida State. And Winston, it was like, oh, this dude's a pro. Yeah, then like Winston was a pro. Winston Mariota. And Winston Mariota, they win it back to back, but Winston won it redshirts the freshman. Mariota wins it the next year. Florida State went undefeated. He won the national title. So it was like, even as Johnny was draft eligible, you knew that there was a better prospect coming. coming. And so that was, but as a phenom, no, he was probably peak college football phenom, other than like the old days, like the 50s, where you would hear about. Sure, Crazy and that's—I think maybe mythology. that's what I meant. Maybe not culture, but just like in terms of his, his star was as bright as any yes. I can ever recall. I think that's very, very fair. Uh, your conversation with Andrew Barry coming up. By next. the way, what what segment? I just looked at the clock. It's one thirty. No big deal. What do you want? When you're out there having fun. What do you want? When you're out there having fun and you get. Scott Boone. Have you haven't even heard about Frank Severo's response to your DM yet? No, no, we have not. Uh, hey. Andrew Barry coming up next. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Bo here for Char Whiskey Bar and Grill in Rocky River. Sip on your choice of over 300 premium whiskeys, craft cocktails, catching a game at Char Bar, always a win. Also coming out with that new spring menu. It's coming out next week. New items on both the main and the brunch menus, oyster, shrimp, cocktail, more. They're going to introduce the raw bar specials. You have that to look forward to, which is very, very nice. They do it right there. Check out their new chicken and waffles on the current brunch menu and enjoy your meal or drink on the outdoor patio as the weather gets a little bit warmer. Support local. Visit Char Whiskey Bar and Grill in Rocky River at CharRockyRiver.com. And now here's Z with Andrew Barry. Here we are. Draft week. Finally, so much work has gone in. You opened your comments thanking the area scouts and everything that in your group all the time people have put in to get to this moment. Is there kind of a sense of relief that it's here? I'd say probably less a sense of relief and more a sense of both calm and excitement simultaneously. It's actually a little bit – this week's actually a little bit slower. It's a little bit hurry up and wait as everybody comes back into the building. Um, and really we're finalizing the undrafted free agent process. But everyone's excited for the weekend and looking forward to who the newest Browns are going to be. Uh, we're certainly excited about that. And for the Browns, this draft doesn't start, at least as of today, until the second round <laughs> pick number 44. Now, I was going back and remembering you haven't picked where you're supposed to pick at any point in the second round in mm-hmm. your two drafts. This will be your third. The first time you move back, still get Grant Delpit. And then Nick Harris is a bonus there, who's now going to be the center for the Cleveland Browns. And then last year you move up to get Jeremiah wusu Koromo. Is there something about the second round that makes it easy to maneuver up and down, which you've done in your two years? You know, I wouldn't say that there's anything specific to the second round. We just try and take advantage of opportunities as they present themselves to us uh, over draft weekend. So um, that could really be any round of the draft. Have you guys upgraded the simulation protocol? Because I was told last year we went through a million simulations 
and yet none of them produce reality, which is Greg Newsom <laughs> and Jeremiah Usukormo. So have we upgraded this to account for even those things we consider unfailing? Hey, well, we will see today. Today is actually uh, our simulation day. Um, and uh, I'll be able to have a better answer for you in the press conference after the draft than I do today. Okay. So walk us through that. What, is, what does that actually mean? Yeah. So we spent much of the last week really just talking through strategies at each of the different um, you know pick slots that we have. And then today, it's it's kind of both um, it's a good kind of draft room operations test room, as well as a little bit of like team building with our area scouts in, where we run through maybe I don't know exact number. We run through a lot of mock draft simulations where some will be scripted, um, some will be off the cuff, some will be randomized, so that you know with the group that's in the draft room or operating in the draft room. Um, it forces us to react to you know different situations as they arrive, whether it's um, a fortunate situation at the time that we're picking it, 44 or 78 or 99 or wherever that may be, or an unfortunate situation or weighing um, you know trades. And it's less about the actual specific sequence of players, sure. but more about the types of general situations that you're trying to tease out. So maybe it's a run on a certain position, or maybe it's a um, you know, an underpriced trade offer, or maybe it's an opportunity to move up or back by a large amount to really kind of tease out those preferences. Has there been a situation that came up in these simulations in either of the last two drafts that actually then kind of happened? And so you were like, oh, we, we were hoping this happened, and then here it is. Yeah, so uh, actually several, to be to be honest with you. So, so that's good. Yeah, in yeah, the future, you yeah, got a crystal ball. Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the, the situation in 2020 with, with Grant, you know, kind of a small move back, and we had uh, a number of players that we liked at that spot. You know, that was one. Um, when we moved back to take Jordan Elliott and added a future third-round pick in that same draft, that was another – um, and then even, uh, you know, last year with, with Jeremiah, even though, you know, we weren't considering him as the player that might sure. be the faller, we run through a number of different scenarios where we had a group of players that we thought had some potential to go later than perhaps how we had valued them. Um, and we had kind of worked through what we would call small move-up pricing that would make us comfortable doing executing such a move. We didn't know it would be for Jeremiah at the time, but it, was, sure. it helped us be prepared on draft day. Because your first pick is slated at 44, do we kind of like sim the first round so we go through that very quickly and then the scenario kind of starts in the second round? Or do you go through as you would have last year when you did have a pick in the first no, round? No, I mean, we go through pretty quickly if, um, you know, if we're not, you know, it's not like we're going to spend a, 20 minutes going through the through the sure. top 10. And there, there may be, um, you know, call it 15 players where you have pretty good indication that they're going to go well before your pick. So you may start the draft at, you know, 15 or 20 or or 25, something along those lines, um, you know, just to save time. All right, this is something I always find fascinating because I think people, you know, you look at seven rounds and 30-plus picks per round and the fact that, you know, 200-plus players are going to get drafted, that everybody's got 200-plus players on their draft mm -hmm. board. And I always think it's interesting how many people are actually on the draft board. So ballpark, can you ballpark for us how many guys are actually on the draft Yeah, board it's, it's usually anywhere from 100 to 125 for us. Okay. Um, and I think part of it is just because – the draft board, particularly once you get to the third round across the league, it diverges pretty, you know, pretty significantly. Because usually at that point in the draft, you're talking about guys that may profile as role players or backups or developmental prospects, um, and that might be a little bit more organizational or or scheme specific, um, you know, based on the the traits that you may prioritize. 
How important is it, you mentioned kind of those late day three guys, we'll call them. How important is it to find people that can help your organization in those rounds? And I'll talk Donovan Peoples-Jones, the sixth rounders contributed, Demetrik Felton last year, Nick Harris, a fifth rounder, now looking like your starting center. Given the way salaries work, the salary cap, to be able to have some of that, what I would call very well-priced labor for yeah. the organization. Yeah, you know, any time that you can find a contributor on a rookie deal, it it helps out your team from a talent standpoint and it helps out uh, your team from a long-term planning perspective um, because of the positive impact that it has on the salary cap. So those guys are key. They don't necessarily have to be stars or starters for them to provide value, but um, those picks are very, very important. I want to ask you, you're talking about some of the exercises you guys do and and, uh, Depot shared this with us last year, was that at at some point, I don't know if you've done this yet, again this year, or if you're going to do it again this year, but and I may not have it exactly right, but that you would go around and it'd be everybody on the draft board, take, give me somebody that you would absolutely pound the table for, you'd have to have, and somebody who's on the board that you personally are like, that's not my guy. Mm-hmm. And that when you went around, basically everybody, a lot, there was a lot of similarity on guys that were liked, but then also guys that people didn't like to kind of show that at the end of the day, the only person, and I think what he said the line was, the only person in here that's going to draft somebody that they're not 100% against is you. Mm-hmm. Was that a cool exercise and just kind of eye-opening to see that how many great football minds can see and probably why the draft's so hard, right? Because so many people can see things so differently. You know, honestly, it's a little bit of an illustration. Um, so what we did with that information, we said, okay, if we had to build a draft board where it was only players that had received, you know, call it multiple votes as, hey, one of the players that people would be most excited to acquire okay. and multiple votes where um, least excited to acquire. If we eliminated those, and it would be like a draft board of 24 players, something along those lines. So it's a little bit more of an example to say, hey, the draft is hard and diverges pretty quickly. Like, take as much input as possible. But, you know, there are going to be guys that, you know, even internally people are more enthusiastic about or less enthusiastic about when you take them. And that's not a function of, of, of not listening or whatever, but just the player pool of, like, true quote-unquote consensus players is very small, um, not only across the NFL but even within buildings. When you get to that that true, let's call it those 24, are they typically first-rounders or does it sometimes surprise that, like, they can be guys that are middle round guys. No, they're usually they're usually the high picks. Okay. That's that's typically how it goes. They're <laughs> that makes it a little picks. easier, yeah, right? Otherwise, yeah, yeah. right? If there were no warts, you would be <laughs> right. going. You would be going early. Mm-hmm. What are you doing Thursday night? How do, how do you approach thir- a Thursday night? And I, I've some of the other GMs who because this is a unique draft. Right? I think there are eight teams with multiple first round picks, seven that don't have mm-hmm. both highest in NFL history. You know, and I think in Miami, guys said we're just going to watch Tyreek Hill highlights. What are you going to do, <laughs> kind of during the first round? How do you approach that, knowing that you don't have a pick and that it would be not difficult, not impossible, but challenging probably to figure out a way to get into the first round if you're so inclined. I mean, you re- you really still you really still monitor. So number one, you'll s- still spend time with your your scouts and your staff, and um, and certainly watch the draft. And um, you know, some things do become actionable. Certainly, like you know, later in the round. Um, you know, but the other the other thing is it's not just um, you know picks that move during the draft. You know, sometimes it's players as well. So you really just just really try to be plugged in. Um, you know, unlikely that we'll make a major decision on on Thursday night. Sure. Um, but you know, you can't can't completely unplug. You can't yeah. rule it out. You can't rule it out. How often does the phone ring, or do you make calls? Just we'll take it on a, on a day two. We'll call it a Friday. In the draft, like, and, and some people think it's frantic. Oh, call the trade this, do this, do that. What's it actually like? So it's usually pretty calm until maybe five to seven slots before, before you, pick, you, yeah, before you pick. Um, I would say honestly, as a matter of uh, you know practice, 
either taking a call or making a call probably like every pick um through maybe like your through the fourth round like as i think back to drafts there probably hasn't been a pick in the first three rounds um you know where we haven't even where we haven't taken a call or or made a call so it's the trade activity is usually pretty frequent that's not always the case but you know within the top four rounds usually there's a fair amount of activity Whenever the phone rings, you kind of is a little jolt of excitement, like, oh, man, what could, there be, what could be coming right here? <laughs> it it kind of becomes par from the course at this point. So. <laughs> okay. And is it usually a quick no? Like, yeah, thanks. No, uh, no, you'd be surprised. Like, okay. you, Yeah, you'd be surprised because part of it is you're trying to play out a number of different scenarios based on how the next several picks may fall. Um, but, again, that's why we try and sort through as much of that as possible last week, today, um, so you have a framework in place so you're not really emotional during that time and you're organized. We know you've been doing salary cap since you, you, as a young man, which I know that you love this. But were you also doing drafts back then? I mean, I used to do Stratomatic with my dad. We would break up the whole NFL. We would draft the guys back out. Is that something that you always did as a young man as yeah, well? Yeah, something. I, I I don't think so. I mean, you probably have to ask my parents for that one, but I don't. That's not anything I remember really doing. All right, what are you most looking forward to over the next three days? Um, you know, really probably just having everybody in who's worked so hard over the past, you know, fourteen or fifteen months. You know, I. I feel like we've done a lot of really good work and we're certainly excited about adding good players, but it's one of the few times aside from camp, you know, veteran mini camp as well, that, um, you know, that we really get to spend time together. And so it's, it's just, it's kind of a great, um, great point in the year because so many people have made so many sacrifices to make the weekend successful. And I'll go back to where I started talking about those area scouts. And you mentioned also that there's a lot of undrafted free agent work. And Mm -hmm. I think everybody knows the draft, but the undrafted portion, you can end up with a guy like A.J. Green, who's been mm-hmm. very good for us. That's kind of a recruitment period. I know it's something you're very excited about. What is it about that period? Because people say, well, they didn't even get drafted. But sometimes there's reasons for that, and, and you end up getting really good players there. That's kind of the draft after the draft. What do you love about that? I think it's it's similar to how you operate in the late rounds because you realize that, you know, the probability would say that you know the overwhelming majority you know probably won't work out over the long over a long period of time um you know some may not make it out of camp some may make it on the practice squad and then maybe fizzle out a little bit but the reality is the impact of even just one guy you know making it over a multi-year period and the impact that can have on your team from a performance and salary cap perspective you know really kind of makes it worthwhile it is a little bit of like kind of finding a needle in a haystack sure so to speak but um you know, if you have a strong CFA class, it's it's something that can can really help you over the long term. Again, even if they're not necessarily stars on your team. AB, always a pleasure. Yeah. Excited to see what you're going to do here over the next few days. And as always, happy that you're the one leading this organization to put that best roster on the field and and get ready for the 2022 season. Appreciate you for having me, Nate. All right. Good. By the way, only he and and Pedro can call you Nate. I think. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a, a short, short list. list. It is a short list, but he uh, yeah he, he fine. Maybe can early on in our tenure, I gave I gave you a Nate. You didn't say anything, but I could tell that you weren't used to it. It was something. We were coming back from break, and it was awkward. And I said, "Tell him what it's something Nate." I can't remember. It was early. (laughs) I mean, I was Nate my whole youth because Nate Dog, you know, growing up, Nate Dog and Warren G, the regulators, the regulators, you know, saddle up. That was big. Yeah. So I was a big. uh, I was a definitely a Nate Nate Dog my whole youth, and then uh, I feel like Nate sounds like like for Nate Burleson it works because he's always Nate. Yeah, I feel like, but I was you know, and he was nasty Nate and yeah, Nathan. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know.
Pedro and AB. Nerd. That's the one I love. He yeah. still calls. He still calls me like when he'll, he'll call or Nateski. He'll give me Nateski. Nateski every now and then. There you yeah. go. I like it. Uh, we'll go around the league coming up next, including the Niners. Are they willing to offer? Willing to listen to offers for Debo? Of course they are. But we'll get into that among other things coming up next. Go ahead. I also want to go through. I want to throw this into the rundown, being a big P right now, and we don't have to do it today. But did you happen to just glance at Bender did the best draft pick, best quarterback drafted at every number in the first round in NFL history? I saw it this morning, but I didn't have a chance to click on it. It's a sad list. Like, it is a shockingly sad list. Ben, not opinion. great, not great. Yeah, like yeah. stunningly sad. It's really hard to land a quarterback. Apparently. Very, very difficult to do. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. A lot of bad advice out there about gambling from secret methods to picking lottery numbers to betting big when you're on a roll. The mist can lose you money and keep you in a lot of keep you in a lot of trouble. So before you wager, find out what's real and what isn't it. Keep it fun, Ohio.com as we go around the league. The uh, Saloon font 49ers willing to listen to offers for Debo Samuel in general. Gibby wants to know, what do you think it would take to get him? It's going to take a, a couple ones. Probably that's what they're going to want for him because he's still on that deal. I just don't, I'd be, maybe it'll happen. My dad does not want it to happen. I can tell you that we talked yesterday. Nerd. I was like, Dad, I was like, you see the new uniforms? No, nah, I don't look that crap. That's what he doesn't I'm care. Like, I'm like, what do you mean? I said, they're going back to the three stripes, Joe yeah. Montez, and I said, and they're going back to the saloon font. Pause. Do you know what the saloon font is, Dad? No. <laughs> so I tell you, it's a cool-looking old 49. You know what like, it is. Everything's going back. This is a man who had 10,000 yeah. figurines. He's got to know yeah. what saloon font is. And then he was is. like, he was, oh, oh yeah, it's going to go. So he's happy about that, but he's mad. Debo apparently, everybody's mad at Debo now. The fans are mad at Debo. Everybody had they've had enough of it. Yeah, I mean, I remember even him. He came out of South Carolina, didn't he? And wasn't I'm pretty sure he's a South Carolina guy. And I remember even in the draft process with him, like one of the things was, you know, what do is there a give a damn level? And I just, I just remember kind of thinking to myself, um, well, that was probably just because he played at South Carolina, you know, and what he's been. Yeah, South Carolina. What he's been in the league has been not that at all. He's been superb in the league. It does feel like the perfect marriage, though, is him there. It feels like it's flawless. Now, as I acknowledged, I did not realize he was as good as a straight receiver last year as he was. Yeah. I did not I did not have that. I would not have had that he was that effective. So, um, Quite. I mean, you think of landing spots. I mean, I, initially, I think of the Packers right away as a landing spot for him. They got two the ones. The Jets. Oh God! No more in the AFC. I don't want him there. That's a That's disaster. That's what I think it would end up. He's got Lafleur there, who they know the system. Salah knows him. They've well, got, then you'd have to do. They've the got Kyler the early deal, picks. Do the Kyler deal. They like Zach Wilson. They're not done on. They're not. They're not out on Zach Wilson. That to me seems. We don't need any more else. Anybody else good in the AFC? Yeah, it's let good him enough. be bad. It's fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. Um, this one got some a little bit of momentum last night. The uh, the Raiders having a conversation with the Packers about Darren Waller. Oh, I believe we, I believe we may have heard hmm. something along those lines a while ago. Low these many months ago. And there was a report, which I saw yesterday, that uh -huh. said the original Devontae Adams trade was 22 
and Waller for Devontae Adams and that the league, this is the way the report worded it, which I haven't seen anybody major run with that, but was that uh, that the league kiboshed the deal, which. Why? How? Under what pretense? Well, that happened. You remember this? I mean, the only thing I can remember of a league kiboshing a deal was the Chris Paul Lakers deal. You remember this? Yeah. When the, when the league said, no, we can't too not fair. Wait, what? The pr- Everybody agreed to it. What do you mean? As long as it's not, not collusion, fair. you can't. Yeah, it wasn't. Right. It was a three-team deal, and Paul right. was going to the Lakers, and it was uh, it was done. Now, they ended up getting Pau Gasol in another deal anyway, and Andrew Bynum was a big part of the success. But that was that was part of the deal that was all set up. So that was – yeah, I, I was shocked that the, when they, when you hear that they would put the kibosh on that deal. Yeah. Um, Waller to the Packers. Derek Carr says no chance that's happening. Who knows? Crazy thing. Do you think we're going to get one between now and the draft? Yeah. A big deal. Remember last year on the draft, like all of a sudden it became Aaron Rodgers wants out. Wants out. That was the night before. Yeah. I, I do feel like again, I said something yes, uh, yesterday on the draft preview show with Mo Pedman's cousin that blew his mind when I said I just feel like the Eagles are going to try. I said I don't like, think anything's maybe nothing happens, but they're going to try for Kyler, and I think they're going to try for Lamar Jackson. And he just like almost fell out no, of the I, chair. Yeah, I think that's in play. I mean, why wouldn't you? They're set up for it. They got all the picks. All they got the, picks. the roster. The NFC's wide open. Why would wide you not? Open. Yeah. Go for it. Sure. Uh, from down in Cincinnati, T. Higgins will miss the Bengals' entire offseason. Um, also, this from the Bengals, Zach Taylor. Um, knew the Bengals weren't starting their offseason program until May 2nd. Taylor announced there would be no mandatory minicamp in June. Uh, good idea or bad. He knows his team. Uh, whatever. He knows his team. They they know who they are. They're going to work in some offensive linemen. I just feel like it's a new year. Like you got to put that season to bed and start. At what point are you going to start? I'm working? with you, but does anybody's season come down to three days? And maybe it does. Maybe there's something that you put in that day that sticks. And I just think it's always good. By the way, like when you can't get tackled or whatever, I would have to think football practice is kind of fun. The like, only thing I'd I like could the guys think, would enjoy it. The only thing I could think is that. They ran it up the flagpole with Burrow, and Burrow's like, "Yeah, we're good. Like, I don't need any more. Like, yeah. I'm good." I mean, he li- Burrow lives in Cincinnati year round, so it's not like, you know, he's there. He's at the facility. From what from what I understand, down there, he's at the facility all the time. So, you know, he's the most important one. Yeah, I just I, I like I enjoy a good a good mini camp. Well, I do too, especially matter. for us for our purposes. I really enjoy yeah. a mini camp. Um, this from Pittsburgh general manager, Kevin Colbert expressed a willingness to move up or down the draft board, indicating his team would calculate the value of every spot in the draft, but also mentioned two specific spots. We'll guesstimate what it'll cost to move from 20 to seven and go back down from 20 to 32. The giants pick seven and have been rumored to wanting to trade back. I think he's speaking in generalities. I a hundred percent. That's in everybody says, then we just listen to that. Look, I just talked to Andrew Barry. We played it on the program and they went through all of their simulations yesterday, all the different scenarios that they think could unfold. Um, and I thought the one thing I loved about that Andrew Barry interview that was something that was new for me was that they take, he said, there is either a call in or a call out at basically every time you pick in the first three or four rounds, which I thought was very interesting that there's always at least a discussion. It doesn't necessarily lead to anything, but there's always at least some type of a discussion, uh, that through those first, you know, three, four rounds in the draft about every pick. So every team's doing that, like. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's I think yeah, that's that's why we all love it, right? Because the possibilities of it. I think I have very little juice for this draft from the standpoint of we don't pick till forty four. 
Do you I see mean, what Michael, Mike Silver said? No, what did he say? <laughs> he said that this draft, he goes, is the most boring draft ever. Everybody who covers it knows it. It's like he yeah. called it the 1988 presidential election of drafts. <laughs> Which I well, the one with funny. Eric Fisher and Luke Jekyll at the top, 13. 13, that's not great. No. That's not great. That's a bad draft. Like, DeAndre Hopkins is in that draft. Matthew and Kelsey are in that draft, but they're, like, in the third round. The first round's a disaster in 13. Don't even talk to me about the Honey Badger. The Honey Badger was taken, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't believe Kelsey was taken with the first pick in the third round, if memory serves. I think it, Badger's so, in the third round. So Hopkins is, like, 27. So here are the... Pro bowlers from the first round. Eric Fisher, Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson was probably He's a good player. Great yeah. pick. Ziggy Ansa had a couple of good years with Detroit. Sheldon Richardson. Uh, Eric Reed, the safety. Kyle Long. Tyler Eifert. Desmond Trufant had a couple of good years at corner. Xavier Rhodes in Minnesota. DeAndre Hopkins, 27. Cordero Patterson, 29. Uh, Travis Frederick, 31. You had Zach Ertz in the second round. Darius Slay in the second round was actually a pretty good pick. Le'Veon Bell was in the second round of that draft. Jamie Collins. And then you're right. First pick of the third round, Travis Kelsey, Eddie Lacy. So pick number 69, third round pick number 69, the Honey Badger, listed as a cornerback out of LSU. Pick number 68 made by the Cleveland Browns. Do you have any recollection? Gibbe would, I feel like, Gibbe, I, I expect I you to get this. I would not have any. The pick right before the Honey Badger made by the Browns, cornerback. It was at 69? It was, we picked at pick 68 out of San Diego State. I remember that year we traded with the Steelers. We traded picks, and everybody lost their mind on day three. Like, how do you trade with the Steelers? Well, it's a good distraction. Well, we, a, we made a trade with the Steelers. <laughs> Who was it? Leon McFadden. Wow. Oh, corner. And we could have just had Leon. the Badger. And we could have just picked Honey Badger, who literally was the very next pick. I like Leon. He's Not great. This actually, there was some, there were some gems in here. Third round, Taron Armstead, who's turned out to be one well, of the best I said, tackles. Second and third yeah. rounds were actually better with the exception of Hopkins. Like, there were some nice players in the first, but largely not. Keenan Allen. Yeah. David Bakhtiari in the fourth round. How about for Green Bay? They get Bakhtiari in the fourth round. J.C. Treader also in the fourth round of that same draft. They never really knew what to do with him. That was, that was Micah my... Hyde in the fifth round, also Green Bay. Green Bay had a pretty good, pretty good draft. I think draft. That, was, that was Rob Chudzinski and Joe Banner. Yeah, yeah. So that was our and first Lombardi. year. That was my first year doing Lombardi. the radio network. Yeah. And we had just gotten the rights. We did the draft show. We're on site. We we were in the field house because the building was on a renovation. So the media availability and everything was in the field house. Okay. Well, it got to the point on day three, <clears throat> like, there was nothing going on. Like, Gerard's running routes. We're throwing <laughs> footballs around. The media, I can't remember who it was, a couple media members went and like got their pitching wedges and were on their way out to the practice. Oh, my God. And as the one is getting ready to swing, like you just hear like security comes yeah. running, grounds crew. Like, what the what? hell are they thinking? I, they let, they, we, you were left unsupervised. We well, were, you're not animals. <laughs> uh, like, by, that, well, by that point, so. You're lucky. These guys are lucky Frayne didn't take them out. Yeah, I don't know Frayne. That was pre-Frayne. Frayne yeah. would not have. That would have been because Frayne came in with Pet. I want to say. Yeah, there would have been eyes on at all times. Yeah, but I can tell you, like, Wait, it would have one of those at, red at trackers point, like he did on Gibbe. Where's he? And at? like, <laughs> the people that are here now were not there then. From like a PR, from like we were running amok in the building. Like, Good we Lord. were grabbing weights. Like people were lifting. So. No one knew it. Normally, act. normally you come down like the the on day three. It's the longest day, 
plain and simple, it's the worst day, it's the longest day. Yeah. If you're covering it because you're short on sleep, everything along those lines. They come down to talk normally at like 6 o'clock. They waited until they contacted all their undrafted free agents. They came down at 10 p.m. I mean, there was nothing to do. There was no air conditioning. It was a, it was a hot April. You were just sweating profusely. It was it was the longest day ever. <laughs> there you have it. Yeah, the, those times are in the rear view. OBM Ohio Business Machine Preferred Copier Provider. Your Cleveland Browns have all the X's and O's for your office. Call 216-485-2000 or visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. Jason Lockin' Four with some prop bets. We'll go over that. Plus, our last chance with the Brugs. Dane Brugger at the bottom of the hour. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Bath Authority can give you the bathroom of your dreams. Why not transform your current bathroom into a custom bath? It'll feel like a spa. Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is Cleveland's premier bath and shower remodeler. They have expert factory trained installers. They're ready. They can do this for you guys in about an hour. The largest selection of bath projects are all made right here in the United States. Change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding tub-to-shower conversions. If you need that done, they can do it. Superior products with expert installers. Call for 500 bucks off right now your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com for more on that. CBS Sports is Jason Lockenforth. The best prop bets for this year's NFL Draft. Gibby wants to know what side we're taking. I suppose we should pull it up. I think that would be helpful. Well, you want me to MC it? Yeah, you yes. MC it. Yeah, we want you to. I want you to. I want the more yes. of you, the better. No. MC. Gibbe. I feel like that's a dig. Gibbe. Not. Not. No, wrong. truthful, sincere. Offensive lineman taken in the first round. Over under seven and a half. Under. Under. What does he say? I mean, seven's a lot. Yeah. There's generally a late first-round run on linemen. Teams see immediate long-term value. How many teams don't have any O-line need? It's rampant. But if, did three people go say... first, if three go in the first seven picks or so and another run on tackle starts in the teens, I see another one in the 20s as well that gets this number to eight. Hmm. I just with all the wide receivers and edge rushers. I mean, I just we're going to run out of picks. A lot of the mocks I'm seeing lately has even Linderbaum going in the second round. Yeah, so under. Yep, same. Uh, Evan Neal to go third overall to the Texans. It was like a plus four fifty. So are the who's our guy McLean? Yes. So he said if Hutchinson or or. Uh, was it Walker or Walker. Thibodeau? If Hutchinson and Walker don't go first or second, the Texans will sprint to put the other one in at third overall. And everybody thinks they are going to go one, two. Is that kind of where we're at now? Yeah. yeah well, so especially if Walker goes one, who's now the betting favorite, that Hutchinson's going to – the Lions are Well, they'll go. kill that. Yeah, Michigan. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then three would be – yeah. I'll take that one. Sure. Let's do it. Yeah. 
He's got Evan Neal. Sure. I'll go the over. I think it's just will he be picked third? Plus 450. Over. So you're saying no. <laughs> he will not be. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, that's correct. Quarterbacks taken in the first round. Over under three. Push. Can't push. Give me an over under. Well, they got to put a 3.5 on this then. I think Willis, Pickett, and Corral go in the first round. Yeah, the only other one who would be in the mix would probably be uh, the kid out of Carolina. Not the kid from Cincy. Maybe Ritter. Ritter. I could see him being a little. Sam Howell's the other one. I'd like this number to be two and a half. But who's going to be? All right, so let's say that this plays. Let's say that it's it's more than – let's say it's – I'd like it to be two and a half as well. It feels like Carolina at six is in play, Pittsburgh at 20, and then where's – who's the third? Who's the third? Who else comes into the mix? Somebody like Washington in. or something? Like, who's coming in that needs a Somebody quarterback? Somebody moves back in the end of the first round. Cause it's always easy to get back in the end of the first round. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, what team would be one that would want to poke around on yeah. a quarterback and give up a future one, like, next year? What if Tampa likes somebody? I think if you got one year with Brady, you do everything you to accentuate for yeah. Brady. Like, you're not worried Detroit's about Detroit's at 32. Folks. Detroit. Yeah, that's not that's a – that's not a bad thought. That could be the third. I would. I don't know. I can't imagine them. You know. I don't know that they'd love any of these guys. Um, I, I'm going to turn these into factor fictions instead of plus or minuses. Okay. Factor fiction. Kenny Pickett to the Panthers at six. Fiction. Fiction. Malik. Where are the odds on that? Uh, plus one forty-five. That's it. Hmm. Yes. That's, I would have thought that'd be like plus a thousand. Yeah, that seems, yeah. Okay. Malik Willis to the Saints, fact or fiction? Mm, there's another team to take a quarterback. Uh, fiction. What the heck? There are no consequences. Fact. That's true. I mean, there are. There are, there there are, are no, no consequences. We, we won't even revisit this. By the way, this is right plus. I'd like to. I'd like some. I'd this give is plus 650. Notes. Plus four fifty, six fifty, six fifty. Okay. Yeah, so they feel like that's a long shot. They really feel like they really like Pickett. Pickett to the Carolina at, at six. Yeah, that's such a specific. That's right, you'd feel like you'd be getting a lot longer odds for that. Yeah, not. Uh, factor fiction: Saints use a first pick on a wide receiver. By the way, Do they have is, two. This is plus two eighty. They have two ones. Yes. A lot of people have uh, one of the uh, Ohio State kids going there. Alave or I think Wilson will be gone by the time they pick. I'll say fact. They'll take a receiver. Same. Isn't that a great look? When you get to the... Very satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Eagles use a first pick on a linebacker. Fact or fiction? Zero percent. Can't imagine it. What's the odds on that? Plus 750. Yeah. Wow. No way. Absolutely not. Uh, and then Charles Cross, fifth overall pick to the Giants, factor fiction. Offensive lineman, I'm assuming? To Don't who? even know. Charles Cross. To what team? The Giants. See, this is why this is a tough draft. This is why yeah. Michael Silver said what he said. It's just here's 
let me here's a fact or fiction. It's believable that the guy we get at 44, especially I think if it's a defensive end, is every bit as the guy you would have got at 13. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. It's I in play, right? Like it feels like there's a bit. I think it the feels like there is no gap. game wreckers. Yeah. Agreed. Receiver, there's a after those five or six, then there's a bit of a drop. But it does feel like there's no real game changing wrecker at defensive end. There's no Miles. There's no Bosa. There's no Young. So there's not this huge drop off. And for sure, is Hutchinson better than? I mean, let's just say it's a Jabo on a red shirt. Are we for sure? No. I mean, it's it's not. There, I re, and I realize there are no certainties in anything with the draft, but it does feel like this isn't that big of a drop, especially if it's defensive end. Yeah. Um, all right, here we go. Team to draft Kenny Pickett in the draft. Panthers, Saints, Steelers, Seahawks, or Falcons? And I'll give you your odds. Steelers. They're plus 350. That pit locker room is basically in – it yeah, they play in, home games there. Yeah, yeah. it it is right there. I mean, they've got their own locker room. That would be kind of a wild thing to to continue his career. People are making such a big deal about his hands. I don't know. What do you think? It's carny hands, I, small <laughs> nomads. You know, smell like cabbage. Smell like cabbage. I don't. Uh, know. I don't know. I don't know about the hand thing. I I. It would. It's interesting because they, you know, they passed on Marino, Pitt guy, could have had him, could have drafted him, didn't. Um, this ain't that. But I do wonder if they talk themselves into it, especially in a division where when you're talking about Lamar, Joe, and Deshaun, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. That's right. You got to get one. Got to get one. By the way, uh, Panthers GM Scott Fitterer says there are a couple quarterbacks he would feel comfortable taking at number six. He also noted there are three or four teams he's heard from that are serious about trading up to six. They would love to get more picks and trade back if their must-have prospects are gone. He's that, lying. That sounds like, please call me. Begging, yeah, he's lying. Begging. Uh, first quarterback selected in the draft, Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett? Malik Willis. Willis is minus 150. Pickett plus 150. Kenny Pickett. But you just have a plus. Wait a second. You can get better odds on having Kenny Pickett be the first quarterback taken than you can get on nailing yes. that he goes six to Carolina? Carolina, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Something feels fishy. Um, this, is the inter- this is an interesting one. Kayvon Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Clearly a uh, hot-button uh, player going into this draft from Oregon. Why is he? I don't know. I mean, he didn't play- Thibodeau didn't play in the Ohio State game. He was, he, was, he was precautionary. He was out. But he has been – here's the thing I'll say about Thibodeau. He has been – from the time you want to look, you want to do the Miles guy. It's probably Thibodeau. Yeah, the closest. Thibodeau one. has been was the number one player in high school coming out of high school. He was great at Oregon. He played. There's a lot of clowny to it too, like very conservative coming back from injury in the draft eligible year. Had kind of proven everything you need to be proven. Game wrecker when he plays. Like to me, he's is he like a, it feels like based freak on what athlete, you're saying, is like, he a no brainer to take as the. First I feel like he end? should be the number one pick. So do I. I don't know why people are worried about it. He if was worried on about early him. box. He was. Yeah. He was. If you go back to a year ago, he was probably the number one guy on most people's yep. boards. Of course, Spencer Rattler was in the first round on a lot of those too, and up very high. But to me, like he's from a we identified early, and we're better at this than we've ever been when it comes to prospects. You see this in college recruiting all the time. We're better than we've ever been at identifying talent young. He's got it. Yeah. He's got it, man. 
I, I don't know if they're worried about something between the ears or whatever. The anyways, the over under draft position five and a half. I think he'll go. I think under. I think he'll go over. I think he'll go like. I think he's going to probably go between six and ten. He should go earlier. I think he's going to go over. He will not be drafted in the tops five, even though we should. Here's what Dane said. Not a fluid mover. His impact runs hot and cold, but he understands how to create leverage as a pass rush with his length, flexibility, and hand strength. Draws comparisons to Jadevian Clowney with NFL teams and has, a developed, has the talent to develop into a high-end starter if he stays committed. Pac-10 freshman defensive player of the year, unanimous All-American, first team Pac-10, all Pac-10. I mean, pretty good. What did so, five-star recruit? So maybe I could be just doing Dane because I just did all that. He was I? the number two recruit overall. Did I even drop Clowney? In 2019, behind only Nolan Smith. Where's Nolan Smith now? I don't know. Went to Georgia. I remember. It, I remember it being uh, Thibodeau one, but it depends on what ranking you. All right, real he quick. Final five of Alabama, Florida State, LSU, Oregon, and USC and committed to Mario Cristobal and the Ducks because of his desire to stay at defensive end. The school's understanding of his interests outside of football. There you go. Look at the beast. God, the beast. I mean, Jameson Williams, Just listen. over under Ooh. 14 and a half. Jeez. Under. He's going to be the first receiver taken. Wow. Bold move, Cotton. There aren't even odds right now. Scott <laughs> Being the first one. He is going to be. There Aaron you go. Wilson was plus 110. Drake London plus 200. James, oh, Jameson plus 250. Book him, Dano. People really like that speed, baby. You know what they say? I got the need. Total first-round wide receiver selected. Over under six and a half. And then we got a break. On who? What's this? Total first-round wide receiver selected. The over under six and a half. Over. Over. Tommy Clayco, Mr. Tom Bomb, tweet of the day. The more I hear you guys talk about it, this feels like the egg salad of drafts. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. The meat cleaves. Are we doing, the are we doing Bruges next? Bruges is next. Dane Brugler next. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Your business operation system collects all the data you need, but you're having a hard time bringing it together and seeing the full picture. Bo here from my friends at EOX Vantage. Their data scientists are also business operations experts. Your EOX Vantage team will help you build an automated system that brings your data sources together in real time and turns them into eye-opening dashboards so you can make smart, time-sensitive decisions, starting at spreadsheets to provide insight you needed last month. Well, with EOX Vantage, you know exactly where your people stand on the activities and deliverables, engage your financial performance easily, accurately, and track progress and your ROI. Check out how companies are making their business intelligence smarter by visiting eoxvantage.com. And with that, we head out on the hotline for Booze, their good buddy, Dane Brugler, the athletic, the author of The Beast, with uh, which Z threw on the table and nearly broke. Uh, Dane, thanks for the time, buddy. What, from your vantage point now as we sit here on a Tuesday, um, where are you with this? Is there a part of it where you're like, boy, I hope they don't screw this up? What, what intrigues you now 48 hours out? Uh, I'm just, let's, let, let's get picking, you know, let, let's, let's get things started. It's, um, there's going to be a lot of noise. <clears throat> uh, there has been a lot of noise this week and there will continue to be a lot of noise, uh, this week in terms of what these teams are going to do. And it starts at number one, 
uh, you know, there seems to be a split in the building uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, the coaches want Iki Aquanu. The scouts want Aiden Hutchinson. The GM wants Trevon Walker and all the upside that comes with him. So what's going to happen at one and then the ripple effect of how that affects the, the picks right after that, it's, it's really going to be interesting. And there's certain pivot points where we just don't know. Houston at three is a, is a wild card. Uh, Atlanta at eight. Seattle at nine. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm talking to teams in the teens. And they have no idea how to even, you know, they've got so many different scenarios that could happen in the top 10 because even, you know, just talking to, you know, their buddies in the league, they have no idea how the top 10 is going to play out. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, You know, mock drafts are going to be very, very wrong. And that's okay because if that means we had a fun first round with some surprising picks, then, then I'm here for that. Is that because there just isn't that dude in this draft that uh, that there is that much confusion about what's going to happen, how it could happen, how it's going to go down? And obviously no quarterbacks, right? I mean, in terms exactly. of top, top flight quarterbacks. I think the, the way that I've been explaining it, try, try to explain it the best, is we're missing those tent poles that hold everything up. You know, we're missing those quarterbacks. Last year we knew quarterbacks were going one, two, three. We knew Justin Fields. Somewhere in the top 12, we knew Mac Jones somewhere mid-first round. and then. But even beyond that, we knew that uh, there was a good chance Kyle Pitts was going forward to Atlanta. We knew there was a good chance that for the Bengals, it was either the wide receiver or the tackle. Um, and if the, if the wide receiver went five, then we knew the tackle was going to go to the Lions probably two picks later. So we had a good feeling for you know the quote-unquote blue chippers and the, the elite guys. This year, we just don't have those those caliber of players. But while that, that upper class of players is pretty thin, that middle class is just, you know, it's so deep with talent. And I'm talking about that, you know, most of the first round, second round, third round, maybe even a little bit of that fourth round, um, that's, where, that's where the strength of this draft is. And I, I feel like we say that a lot, you know, every year, but – it's especially true this year because what we don't have in the high-end talent in the t- at the top, we make up for with the depth uh, on day two especially. So this is just one of those years where it's it's not a great year to be picking in the top ten relative to other years. And, Dane, I think the other thing that contributes to this is we have so many teams with multiple picks. There's so many teams that are out of the first round altogether, so it does feel like it's almost like this is a private party. You know, Eight teams have half of the first round picks. Right. I mean, so the, yeah. That that just makes it even. I think that takes some of the. I think your point is well made and the correct one in that the middle class in this draft, the upper middle class in this draft, is really big and really good. And by the way, we'll get to how that benefits us at forty four. But I think of the intrigue of the first, everything you're talking about with the ten poles, but then also how eight of the teams have half the picks. That's where you lose a little bit of that, right? And are we going to see trades? You know, with with, with these multiple first round picks, I, we're going to have a lot of teams that want to trade back and, and pick up extra picks. You know, Carolina, they pick at six, and then they don't pick again until the fourth round. So Carolina is desperately trying to get out of there. Um, you know, we, we have several teams that are looking to do that. It's just will will these teams look to package picks to trade up? I, I just don't know that we're, we're going to have a way more teams looking to trade back than we are teams looking to trade up. It, it's, it's going to be tough in that respect. Um, but, you know, you look at a team like the Chiefs. They have two picks in the first two picks in the second, two picks in the third, two picks in the fourth. No way the Chiefs are picking eight players in the first four rounds. It's not happening. So where where do the Chiefs go? Do the Chiefs look to move up 
in the first round, the second round, uh, you know, paying attention to some of these runs at certain positions, uh, like wide receiver. We're going to see wide receiver run at some point in the first round, and does that spur some action from some teams that are really looking to get that receiver where they move up, even if it's five, six spots, just to make sure they get their guy. And that, you know, that brings us to the second round. And the Browns at 44, uh, they're going to be in a unique position where they don't pick in the first 40 picks, but they also have those two-thirds. And so if they want to move up a little bit, they're going to have they're going to be able to in this draft. And I feel like there's still going to be good players there in, in, the, in the late 30s uh, but is there the right player that will cause the Browns to uh, want to move up and get their guy? That's what's going to be fascinating, I think, from the Browns' standpoint. Is you know we've never seen Andrew Barry pick at the assigned spot in the second round, and he's gotten two first-round talents in, in Grant Delpit and Jeremiah Wusu Cormo, and how that ends up playing out. And we've talked, I think, at nauseum. And we've got the great draft on tap series that I'd urge you to check out at the Browns YouTube channel and the Browns mobile app. Myself and Dane really breaking down the position groups that are most likely to be targeted at 44 uh, and then into the third round as well with those two third-round picks that the Browns have at 78 and 99. So, Dane, I want to talk just kind of more about what you're hearing trends. And there's a lot of thought, and I'm reading a lot about this, and I'm sure you're hearing a lot about this, that a lot of teams only have 15 or 16 first-round grades, and so that the back half of the first round is kind of wide open in terms of how each team values guys and there may be guys that we've been talking about as second and third rounders who go in the first round and guys that we've talked about as first rounders who may go in the second and third what do you kind of make of of that notion and and are there some names you're hearing that are risers and one that caught my attention that i keep reading about is logan hall who you've had to the browns at 44 and now it sounds like he might not be there the young man out of houston yeah, no, and there's a good chance. I'm, I'm a big fan of Logan Hall. He's, he, I think, he, on my on my top 100, he's like 36 or something like that. So you know that that early second round range is where I have him, but would not be surprised at all if he goes in the first. Um, and, and in a draft like this, it, most years teams have 18 to 22 first rounders in, in most drafts. This year might be a little bit less than that for for some teams. But yeah, we're going to see a lot of a lot of players, and there's going to be some surprises. It's going to happen uh, where a team maybe has a second round player that uh, most teams have a third round grade on, um, and so there's there's just going to be some surprises that we haven't seen in a lot of first round mocks, um, and that's really going to make it fun because it's going to shake things up. You know, if if Quay Walker, the linebacker from Georgia, is the first linebacker off the board no one should be surprised. Like, you know, that's something that is, I've heard, you know, if he goes 21 of the Patriots, that's very, very possible that that could happen. Uh, you know, like I think, you know, George Karloftis, he has more second round grades than first round grades out there. And so I still think he's going first round because he plays the right position and you just, you, you it's easy to appreciate his, his ability as a pass rusher, the power at contact, the, the hands, the motor doesn't quit. Um, but, so a lot of teams, you know, they kind of think he is what he is. He's just not going to be that. You know, it doesn't offer a ton of upside with with Carl Loftus, and so there's at least a chance he could flip to maybe the second round. So yeah, I, I think that boards from team to team are wildly different, and we're going to see that play out uh, on draft weekend, both Thursday and Friday night. Dane at 44, Nathan and I feel you know pretty strongly. Receiver, defensive end are, are two positions of need that this team needs that they would identify would want at 44. If there is a run on both, which position group are you getting the best value at 44? In other words, who still has really good at 44? Which one's better, receiver or D end? 
Um, I think that probably uh, you could make a case for both. I, I mean, I, I think it just depends on who's off the board at that point, who's still available. Um, <clears throat> I do think that it would be easier because edge rusher is so deep this year, it would be easier to wait on that position because you feel good about who's still going to be there in the third. Um, but it, it also depends on, you know, cause you're not trade if, if the Browns are trading up, you know, moving up a few spots, they're not going to do it just for any receiver or any pass rusher. They're going to do it for a specific player. So whether that's, uh, you know, a George Pickens or a Sky Moore, uh, you know, whoever, whoever that, that could be, uh, it depends on that player still being there. And, you know, George Pickens is, is a tough evaluation because there are, there are the character concerns, the just, it, it's the immaturity with him. Um, he's a young player and that's something they have to worry about. Uh, he's coming off an ACL injury. So, you know, there are red flags. There's, there's a reason a George Pickens is still available, uh, probably still available early second round and was not a first round pick. So, you know, for the Browns, it's important that they are 100% comfortable with these guys if they're going to make a move or even if they sit at 44 and are able to get their guy there. So I think more so than the position, it just depends on who's available. But I, I do agree with you guys. I think edge rusher, wide receiver, that makes the most sense. Uh, this is a team that uh, believes in, you know, cornerstone positions and wide receiver yeah. and edge rusher are, are both apply. And it, with using their first pick, using a top 50 pick, they want to come away with an impact player. And I think they, there's a good chance they could find one at either one of those two positions this year. Dane, I wanted to ask you about Pickens just for a second because he's the one that it feels like you're kind of right. You know, first-round talent. But here we are talking about a guy who's only 21 is in the second round. Yes, he's coming off. But, I mean, you know, you could make A.J. Green comparisons. You could say this guy's got the size, the speed, all of that dominated in college when you hear all of these red flags all of a sudden that kind of come out now where you've got, you know, uh, from Bruce Feldman in The Athletic and your colleague there at The Athletic mm -hmm. wrote about Pickens and he had three people chime in. One was a scout. He said a lot of upside, can't get out of his own way. Then a wide receiver coach, you know, there, there's issues. He can do everything, but I wouldn't touch him because, you know, basically of these issues. Another one, top five receiver on tape, so many red flags, a lot of growing up to do. Is this stuff well-known, well-documented, which is why he was always slated in the second round? Or is this some is this some of it this time of the year, hey, let's get this out there because we really want Pickens because he has the chance to be an actual stud in this draft, and so let's get some bad stuff out there that, you know, is directionally correct so that maybe he falls a little more. No, it's definitely something that's been talked about, um, and it's something that has followed him, you know, since his freshman year. Even it's it, it, as silly as, uh, trading punches with a player on the field during the game, or um, yeah, he was uh, flagged uh, last season as a sophomore for uh, spraying water on a Tennessee player near the sideline in the middle of a game. Like it's just these little things that uh, you know could lead to big things that you just you have to be comfortable with the player. And so um, I, it's funny when you know in my report on George Pickens. Um, you know, the, the weaknesses, I think there's like seven lines and the last three lines are all, uh, you know, injury or character related. I mean, that, that's the big thing with, with him. And that's why he's, I think 47 on my board, uh, and not higher is, uh, there's just, he's not a clean prospect. And that doesn't mean that he's, you know, not going to turn out to be an outstanding player. He absolutely could. Um, you know, I, I'm glad 
Um, you know, my current employer doesn't judge me on some of the poor decisions I made when I was uh, 20 years old, you know, and I'm sure that goes for all of us. So uh, it's it's one of those things where you do your due diligence, you find out more about the person, make sure you're comfortable, bring them into your facility. Um, and because that's where you know, the Browns are, they're fishing right now is that that early to mid second round. And so that's that's part of the the pool that will be available for them is a guy that maybe has first round ability, but there's, there's a reason he's going to still be available uh, at that point. So um, it's not late info. This has been well known and something that I think teams, especially a team like the Browns with where they're picking, they've done plenty of research and homework just to figure out if he's going to be a fit. Dane, you have uh, you've you've nailed us the last few years in terms of, of what we would do in the draft. You, yeah, that's right. You, you picked Great a lot of them. You, you made a lot of them. Go year. back to. I know we did. I, I hate even putting you on the spot at forty four. <laughs> um, so so give me. I'll give you a couple as opposed to one specifically. Give me four or five names that that you feel like feel like the perfect fit at forty four. Yeah, you know it's tough. Obviously, not not picking the forty four, not knowing how those uh, picks are going to come off the board. Um, and, and, you know, to, uh, to your point too, about, uh, Andrew Barry not staying, uh, at that pick, uh, you know, mm-hmm. he moved around and so there's a good chance he does that again. Um, I still think, I, I think, I think there's a good chance Logan Hall does it go first round. Uh, I know the Bengals at 31 have done a ton of work on him. Uh, that that's a possible landing spot. So he might be in the division. I, I still want to mention him just because if he does fall to the second round, maybe that is a guy you'll go up and get six six two eighty, a ton of ability, uh, a good kid. He's on he's on the upward trajectory. Um, Drake Jackson from USC, six three uh, two seventy, has uh, a loose uh, loose athleticism. He has body control. He can win as a pass rusher. Can hold up as a run uh, a run defender. There, there's just a lot to like with Drake Jackson. I'm surprised he's not getting a little bit more love. But I think he fits uh, a lot of what the, this team would look for. Um, so those are the two edge rushers that I think kind of fit the mold. And then if they do go offense at wide receiver, I, I still think that uh, George Pickens will be in the mix. And there's we have no way of knowing just how the Browns come down on him with uh, uh, just how, how he'll be a fit with the coaches and in the community and all that. But I do think that uh, he's very much on the short list. Um, and, and, you know, I would throw uh, Sky Moore in there as well from Western Michigan. Uh, you know, a younger player, doesn't have the size I think they want, but speed, yak skills, uh, reflexes. I mean, he's kind of a, in some ways, a supercharged uh, Jarvis Landry with, with how he plays. Um, so I, I think that those two receivers, those two edge rushers, uh, I, I think there, there's a decent chance it could be one of those four players. You project Sky Moore at this level to operate from the inside as opposed to the outside? I think he's inside-outside. I, I, there's nothing on tape that tells me he can't play outside. Uh, now, I think he could really be a, a weapon inside, uh, you know, with the, a lot of that, that short game, the catch-and-go, you know, quick slants, uh, you know, just give him the middle of the field to be his playground and, and, and let him create. But, you know, he has the, the release package where he can get off press on the outside. Uh, he can win down the field. He has that speed. So even though he is a little undersized, he, he's five, just under 5'10", um, just under 200 pounds, so not ideal for what you want on the outside, but huge hands. He can go up and win the football. Um, you know, I'm not going to say he's Steve Smith on the outside, but he could be sure. that sty- stylistically that type of player if you want to line him up as a more traditional outside uh, receiver. You're the best, buddy. Yeah. Thank you for your time and your expertise. And we're almost there, guys. Looking forward to it.
<laughs> yes. Almost. The great Dane Brugler in the Athletic, his draft guide to the beast, is simply the best. It is set up and laid out here on the table for us as we prepare for the draft coming later this week. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily. So much more to come right here on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll be part of the family. Visit rumpke.com to learn more. Coming up on your first Friday edition of the program, Glenn Cook will join us and Daniel Jeremiah, among others. So you have that to look forward to, which is nice. Yeah, perhaps I think some some big stuff tomorrow. I would expect uh, because you got Glenn, you got Daniel Jeremiah, and and Gibbe. Correct if I'm wrong, but maybe even a luminary player. Could be. Uh, Promise small, deliver big. Was it perhaps? Hence why there were only two names on the two sheet names there. on the list. Yeah. That's right. Can't wait to go back and watch the show and critique that one. Do you guys? <laughs> You can tease the people a little bit, Gibbe. Give them a little teaser. Hey, did you? Um, do you guys think we'll see a deal between now and round one, like a big NFL deal? You said I think it's going to happen during the draft. During? If it happens, it's going to happen during the draft. Did you guys see J.R. Smith got a 4.0 his first year at North Carolina a A&T? How yeah. awesome is that? I love that guy. That's really cool. It's, yeah. That's really cool. That's pretty spectacular. He cares. Because when he was here... I would not have guessed a 4.0 no, would have been in his Nobody future. would have guessed it, but he I mean, he He's doesn't even need himself. to do this. He wants to have, he, he wanted to grow. He wanted to play golf. He wanted to grow as a human. Did, I, got cheated out of this. He has. And now Boy, he went, he's he, crushing it. It's impressive. It's an awesome Baco story. Nation yeah. strolling by with a knapsack. It is an absolutely awesome. Is that a man awesome. bag? By the way, that uh, Celtics 4-0 over the Brooklyn Nets was as entertaining a sweep as I've ever watched. That game last night was awesome. Tatum's great. I love Tatum. He's game. better than I thought. I love him. He's better than I thought he would be. He's really – they were tough, man. Brooklyn gave him everything last night, and they just kept answering it. Even the garbage six call on Tatum. Well, now they're going to be able to get that center was able to work in, right, Williams? Robert Williams is coming back. Yeah. But they got to go through now. they got to go through Milwaukee. I wouldn't be afraid if I was them. No Middleton, right? He's down now. Yeah. All right. Next level up next. We're back tomorrow. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.